But I'm very thankful for the opportunity to preach this morning. Thankful for Pastor asking uh, me to be able to preach this morning. Philippians chapter number 3, verse number 7. The Bible says, this is Paul talking to that church at Philippi. Here's what he says. What things were gained to me, those I counted for loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. Why? That I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If you have a pen, I'd mark all those him, him, and his. Verse 11 If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse number 13, and I want you to catch this. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray that this morning only those things that you would like to be said would be said. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross Father, guide my words, guide my lips. I pray that this would come directly from you. May your Holy Spirit move in a mighty way this morning. We'll give you the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Paul's writing this book of Philippians to the church at Philippi. It's an interesting book because Philippi was the first church that was planted by Paul in Europe. And so he's writing, he's in prison, it's one of the prison epistles, and he's writing back to this church at Philippi, and it's about 10 years later that he's writing to them. And I want you to catch the spirit of this, because Philippi was really like the model church. It was the church that, in fact, Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, hey, look at Philippi and what's going on over at Philippi. And by the way, can I just say, I really pray if God were to write a book about Calvary and it were to be a book called Calvary in the Bible and God said about Calvary Baptist Church, look at Calvary and what is going on over at Calvary and see what God is doing over at Calvary and may this church be a model church like Philippi was. That church at Philippi was a model church. And so Paul's saying, he's writing to these these Philippians and he's telling them in chapter three to beware of some people. He starts off, uh, beware of dogs, beware of evil, evil workers, beware of concision. So he starts by warning them. And in verse 7, you'll notice that he kind of changes tune a little bit. He starts telling them what they really should focus on. And he says, what well, things were gained to me, those I counted lost. I count all things but lost, except the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I want you to notice what he says in verse 13. He said, I count not myself to have apprehended. I I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing, he's like, this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. And this morning, I desire to preach on this subject this morning. This one thing. You know, Psalm 27 verse 4 says this. 
one thing, this is, Paul, uh, this is uh, David, one thing have I desired of the Lord. One thing that I will seek, that will I seek after. D.L. Moody once said this, too many Christians are too involved in many things when the secret of progress is to concentrate on one thing. I want you to think about this for a second. Sometimes I think as Christians we get involved in too many things when we don't focus on the one thing that is the most important thing, and that is your and I's relationship with Jesus Christ. And too many times we get focused on everything around and everything that needs to be done and everything that's surrounding us because it's life and it comes. But if we don't stop and focus on the one thing that is the most important thing, everything else around us will fail. And if God is not that one thing that we are focused on and we've put our trust in and we don't count everything else but lost but jesus christ then everything else around us will be lost because jesus christ is the only thing that matters and i want you to think about this paul said he said i don't count myself to have apprehended but this one thing i do and so paul says hey i want you to hone in on one thing so i want to talk on this subject this morning this one thing number one this morning i want you to notice this this one thing is needed Go back to verse number 9 in Philippians chapter 3 right there. The Bible says in verse number 9, Be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness. Okay, so if I'm not supposed to have my own righteousness, what am I supposed to have? If, I, if I'm not going to have my own righteousness, if my righteousness, the Bible says, it says filthy rags, if my good deeds, my righteousness, if it's as filthy rags, then what am I supposed to have? Notice what he says which is of the law, but I'm supposed to have that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. What's he talking about? Now, I want you to, know, I want you to catch the phrase here. He says, in Rome, uh, he says here that we're to have this idea of putting on the righteousness of God. He says in verse number nine, but put on that, uh, uh, the second part of verse number nine, that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. What am I supposed to do? I want you to notice this. Every single one of us have this account. And this account, we try to do good things. We try to obey God. We try to raise our family the way we're supposed to raise them. We try to do the things that we're supposed to do. We try to do things God's way. But you know what? Sometimes on that account, we fail. We don't do it the right way. We may have not, we may have messed up. We may have done things we knew we shouldn't have done. And on that account, it gets scarred. It gets marred. There are things on that account that we wish we could get rid of. But we as human beings, we can't get rid of that. But God has an account. And it's an amazing thing because on that account, there's no blemishes. There's no scars. There's no markings. There's no nothing because Jesus came, lived on this earth, and lived a perfect sinless life. How amazing is it to think of a man that walked on this earth, didn't do one thing wrong, didn't sin one time, didn't talk back one time. That's really hard for me. Didn't, Didn't get angry one time. Didn't wrongfully accuse anyone one time. And his account's perfect. And every single person in this room has an account. And on that account, just like mine, there's things on that account that shouldn't be there. And with those things on that account, we can't enter into the presence of God. Because there can't be any blemish, there can't be any spot, there can't be anything on that account that that hinders us from being with Jesus, who can't be in the presence of sin. And Jesus had an account that was perfect. And here's what Jesus did, this is so awesome. 
said, here's my account. I want you to have it. I'm going to send my only son with the perfect account. And he's going to die on a cross so that you can have that perfect, spotless account put right on your account so that you can know that you're going to spend eternity in a place called heaven. And can I tell you the one thing that is needed in life? Can I tell you what that one thing is? It's knowing for sure that you're going to spend eternity in a place called heaven. The one thing that is needed, the one thing that's ultimately necessary, the only thing that is needed is this. It's knowing for sure that you're going to spend eternity in a place called heaven. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Not a single person could live this life and do it perfectly. Not a single person. Miss Marshall is one of my favorite persons in the room right now. Miss Marshall's here. It's so good to see you. She is one of the nicest ladies. I see her over at the elementary school. She's the front desk right there. The big smile when you walk in the face. And I think Miss Marshall's perfect, honestly. I really do. But you know what? Miss Marshall's not perfect. There's an account that Miss Marsha has. There's an account that every single one of us has that's blemished, is marred. But God says, take my account. We say, well, that's, well, how do I do that? What is that? Imagine taking a test. I want you to imagine this. Imagine taking a test and completely failing it. That never happened to me. I don't know what that feels like, but, you know, I, I don't know what that's like. Some of you, you may know what that's like. That's okay. But imagine taking a test and failing it. But imagine someone who aced it, didn't miss a single question, got it all perfect, said, you know what? Just turn my test in. This is yours. Show this. There's nothing wrong with it. All the answers are correct. I want you to turn this test in. You say, how can I do that? How can I turn your test in? He says, all you got to do is take it and give it to him. I want you to hear me this morning. If you're here this morning, And you've never had that one thing that is needed. The one thing that is needed is accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, knowing for sure that if you were to take your last breath today that you'd spend it in heaven. I want you to think about this. You say, well, how do I do that? It's as simple as taking that test. It's as simple as taking it. And God says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. You say, what does that mean? It means that if I accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior, I ask him to forgive me of my sins, come into my heart and save me. I have now given my heart to Christ. And it means this. It means that when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. Greatest decision I ever made in my life was when I was a young person, I sat in a back room of a church building after a Sunday morning service when our pastor preached on hell, and I sat there and I was, in, I was just in trembles, I was in fear, because I didn't want to spend eternity in a place called heaven, or in hell. And I know, I was a pastor's son, I grew up in the church, we closed the doors down every Sunday, and I can remember sitting there going, am I going to heaven? Is that me? And I was walking out of the building, and my, one of my teachers grabbed me, and she said, John, are you okay? I said, no, I'm not. She said, come with me. She took me into a back room, and she opened her Bible, and she said, we're all sinners, every single one of us. And we can't get to heaven with that sin. But God, who had the perfect account, the sinless life, said, hey, I want to put that on your account, and all you have to do is accept it, and it'll change your life forever. I want you to know something this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need that one thing. You need that one thing. 
Luke chapter 10 talks about a story. How many of you remember the story of Mary and Martha? And Martha is just, Jesus comes to the house of Mary and Martha. And Martha's running around. She's trying to clean the house, do the laundry, put the dishes away. She's trying to do all this stuff. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's sitting here and she's just learning and she's listening and she's gleaning everything that he has. And Martha comes to Mary and she goes, what are you doing? Jesus, can't you see? I am cumbered about, verse number 42 of Luke chapter 10. I'm cumbered about with all this stuff. And Mary's just sitting here. She didn't help me with the dishes. She didn't help me with the, with, the, uh, with the laundry. She didn't help me fold it all. She didn't help me do any of it. And I'm over here working away. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 42, Martha, Martha. You ever notice how when someone's not focused on Jesus, he has to say their name twice? Do a study on that. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Laundry, dishes, food. We got all this stuff to worry about. But here's what he says. But one thing is needful. One thing, and what is that? Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. And what is that good part? It's sitting at the feet of Jesus and saying, God, what is it that you have for me? God, what is it that you can teach me? God, what is it that I need today? And that one thing that is needful is knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I pray every person in this room knows that. But number two, I want you to notice this. Not the one thing that is needed. But this one thing I know. I want you to go back to Acts chapter 26 for me, with me for just a second. Acts chapter number 26. This is the story of Paul. We just were reading Paul's letter to the Philippians. But I want you to go back to Acts chapter number 26 with me. Acts chapter number 26 is when Paul is in, he gets arrested and he is brought before all these judges. And now... He is standing before Agrippa in chapter 26. And Agrippa says, you're permitted to speak for yourself in verse 1. And he stretched forth his hand and he answered for himself. So I want you to catch what he does here. He's standing before these men. And the, the king says, you are able to answer for yourself what's going on. He's, a, he's arrested for preaching the gospel. Now I want you to catch this. He's in chains. He's before these men. And he starts giving his testimony. He starts sharing about how when he was uh, persecuting the church. Remember, Paul used to be Saul. And Saul would persecute Christians. He would go into a city, find the churches, and he would pull out the Christians. He would stone them. He'd persecute them. He would, raz- he would just completely uh, uh, destroy every bit of Christianity in a city. So everyone was scared of him. And now, God met him on the road to Damascus. And, and he's, he's changed his life, and he's, uh, he's, he's uh, become a different man. God changed his name from Saul to Paul, and he's no longer the persecutor of Christians. He's now a man who's going to share the gospel with people. He's now a man that's going to change the world. He's now going to write books that we now read for the rest of our lives, and he's going to change the world as we know it. And this is now Paul. And so Paul's trying to tell his story to King Agrippa, and I want you to catch what happens in verse number 19. He's like, hey, I got a light. There was this light that shone on me. It was bright. I fell to my knees. I was blinded. God told me to go to this place. And here's what he says. God gave me a, a decree. Here's what he says. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not 
disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Well, what did I do? I showed first unto them at Damascus and at Jerusalem and then throughout the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. What is Paul saying? I want you to catch what he's saying. He said, I got that one thing that was needed, right? He met Jesus. He changed his life. And if you've never met Jesus, you need that. You need that in your life. But he met Jesus. But I want you to catch what he says. He goes, hey, King Agrippa, guess what? I know that I'm different. I know that I'm not the same person that I once was. I know that God changed my life and he did it on purpose. And I want you to catch this this morning. There's one thing I know, and that one thing is this, that I know I'm a different person when Christ came in. Listen, some of you are in this room this morning, and you can say and you can share testimony after testimony this morning of how God has changed your life, how God has just radically come in, and he's done a transformation in your life, and how he's, he's taken what was old, and he's washed it away, and he's taken what's new, and he's made it solid, and he's helping you grow as a Christian. And this one thing Paul knew, he said, I'm different. I'm different. That I, I was obedient to what God asked me to do. He said, go here and do this, and I did that. I'm now telling people in Judea and all the coasts, I'm going all over the place. I'm telling the Gentiles. I'm telling everybody about Jesus Christ because there's one thing I know, and that one thing is that I've met Jesus, and I'm different. Man, I'm different. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... Those of you who have been saved and you've seen Jesus Christ do a work in your life, listen to this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. They're gone. Behold, all things are become new. And let me tell you something this morning. That man in the Bible that God came to and he was blind and he couldn't see, and God came to him and he said, Thou shalt not see, thou shalt have sight. And he took the mud and he put the mud on his eyes and The man was able to see. I want you to catch this. He knew he was different. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Guess what? I once was blind, but now I see. And this morning, my desire is that every Christian in this room knows that when they got saved and they found that one thing that is needed, is needed, that they know that there's something different. Let me just tell you something. It's one thing for you to know that there's something different, but it's something else for everybody else to know that there's something different. I had someone that just recently got saved come to me last week, I think, and said to me, there's something different. And my family's noticing there's something different. I want you to see something here. When Christ came in, you can't be the same. All the old things that were in your life, it's got to be different. The old things that we used to do, they're different. It's not the same. It's all different. And I'm going to tell you, there was a man, right when I first started in the ministry, a man came to me. Outside of this ministry here, he came to me and he said, you know, I got saved, but I didn't get saved until later in life. My son, I want my son, I want my daughter to know. I want him to know. Son was a junior in high school. He said, I want him to know. I want him to see Jesus in me. I want him to see that there's a difference because I want one thing I know is I'm different. His son was a junior. 
went through high school that year, he said, Dad, you're different. You don't do the same things you used to do. You go to the same places you used to go to. You don't talk the same way you used to talk. It's different. There's something different. He said, yes, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm a different person. God's coming. He's changed my life. And then God was able to use that dad to share the gospel with his son. The son was able to accept Christ. All because the son saw one thing. He saw that his dad knew he was different. And can I tell you one thing every single Christian in this room ought to know this morning? Hey, I'm different. I'm a different person. I'm not the same that I used to be because God's made a difference. So I have found the one thing that is needed, and I hope every person in this room this, by the end of this day knows for sure that they have found that one thing that is needed. Then I hope every person and every Christian in this room knows that there is a difference from back then to now. There ought to be a difference. There ought to be a new lifestyle. It ought to be a new Everything ought to be different. And if it looks the same and smells the same, I would check to see if you found the one thing that was needed. But it ought to be different. But number three, and I want you to notice this, and we'll be finishing up this morning. Number three, this one thing is needed, this one thing I know, but look at verse number 13 of Philippians chapter number three with me. Philippians chapter number three, verse number 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. What does he say? He says, I'm, I'm forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before me. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying? He says, I'm not going to be content where I am. Christian, listen to me this morning. You may have found that thing that was needed. You may have found salvation, and that is the best thing you can ever find in this world, is knowing for sure that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. You may have found that. And you may know that you're different. And you may look back and say, there's a difference in my life. Praise God. But can I, can I tell you something this morning? There ought to be something that every person is pushing forward for. We get a, better not be content with standing over here knowing that we found the thing that was needed. But we ought to be pressing forward for what God has called us to do. Because at the end of the day, Paul says, hey, I found that one thing, that's, uh, one thing I do. I'm not, I'm not thinking about all the, listen, sometimes, and I hate, I, I just, I don't like this. When people try to bring up everything that's been in your past, well, how can you be a Christian? How can you do what's right? Well, don't, isn't this your past? Isn't this what you used to do? What do you mean that you're now a Christian? What do you mean that now you serve Christ? What do you mean now that you, are, you don't do those things anymore? What do you mean? This is what you used to be? This is who you used to be? This is who you, you were? No, let me tell you something. I'm forgetting about all those things. All those things are behind me, Paul says. He said, I'm forgetting. Because if we can remember for a second, Paul was the man who persecuted Christians, killed Christians. And let me just be honest with you. That's pretty bad. And everybody in this room says, yeah, I don't think I've gone that far. I, I haven't killed somebody. I, I haven't killed Christians. So Paul knows what he's talking about. And when he comes in verse 13 and he says, I'm going to forget those things which are behind me, because guess what? There's some bad days behind Paul. He said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me. But he wasn't just forgetting. He was reaching forth. He was moving forward. And Christian, can I tell you this morning, what was he pressing forward for? Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. The Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. I want you to see if you catch a theme here. 
Deuteronomy 1.30, The Lord your God which goeth before you, he will fight for you. Isaiah 52.12, For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you. Do you notice something? What is before us as Christians? It's Jesus Christ himself, the example that he set for us. He went before us. He lived this life. He did what he was supposed to do. And now it's our turn. Now it's our turn to be different. Now it's our turn to take a stand for Christ. It's our turn to share the gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ with those that need it. It's our turn to do that. And Paul says, I'm forgetting the past. I'm forgetting those things that I used to do, but I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before me because I'm pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And God, it is that goes before you. God, it is that goes before every single one of us this morning. And what did God, what was God? Be ye holy as I am holy. It ought to be the joy, it ought to be the goal of every Christian this morning to say, I'm going to do everything that God's asked me to do, and I'm going to live the holiest life I can. Why? Because I'm reaching forth into what God set before me. I'm reaching forth into what God has for me. God is always pressing forward. He's never going back, and he's never standing still. Think about it. Never going backwards. He's not standing still. It's always forward. So Christian, let me ask you this morning. Are you content where you are at this morning? Or are you doing everything you can to reach forward? Because if we become Christians that are content where we're at, then we're not accomplishing all that God wants for us. If we become a father that is content where his children are at, then you're not being the father that God wants you to be. If you become a husband that is content where you are, then you're not accomplishing all that God wants you to accomplish as a husband. If you become an employee that is content where you are, then you're not accomplishing that all that God wants you to accomplish as an employee. And as a Christian this morning, if you're content in the way you are right now, you're not accomplishing all what God wants you to accomplish in your Christian life. And I'm going to tell you, this church is never going to be a church, and I pray to God that this church is always a church that moves forward and sees what God has in the future and sees the lives that can be changed in the future because there's a generation of people that need to hear the gospel. There's a generation of young people that are being taught things that you don't even believe, things you would never imagine. And my heart breaks It breaks because they don't know. They don't know. And if we as a church, we get content and we just stand still and we don't do anything and we're not pressing forward for God and we just stand where we're at because it's okay, then there's a generation that's not going to be able to hear the gospel and not be changed as you were. It is not going to find that's one thing that is needed because we stood still. And God forbid that this church be a church that stands still. May this church be ever advancing forward. May our people, may we be out in the highways and hedges compelling them to come in. May we be sharing the gospel with people. May it be ever on our minds at work, at school, wherever we may be. May it be on our minds that the gospel is the most important thing. And I'm going to tell you this. The Christian life is not about where we are right now, but it's about where we're headed. It's about where we're headed. Think about it. What you have in front of you, you have heaven. Heaven to gain. Greatest thing in the world to know is that at the end of this life, I have Jesus Christ at the end. And I want you to think about it. Keep moving forward. Move forward for what God has. Move forward for what your, your purpose in life. Every single person in this room has a different purpose and a different way of going about that. God made us all different. 
If he didn't, he would have made us all the same. We would have all done the same thing, all wear the same clothes, and then I'd be looking scary like some of you. And then we'd be, you know, just doing the same thing. But he didn't make us that way. He made us all different. Why? Because there's people you're going to reach that I'm never going to be able to reach because they wouldn't talk to a weirdo like me. There's people that I'm going to reach that you'll never talk to. Why? Because they're never going to talk to a weirdo like you. Listen, there are people that need the gospel. And if I'm comfy in my little chair and I sit down and I enjoy life where I'm at, then nobody's going to hear the gospel from me. And some of us have gotten in a mentality that I'm happy where I'm at. I've found the one thing that's needed. I know I'm different. I'm not living the same life that I used to live. But we're not reaching forth. There's not the thing that we are doing. And that one thing I'm supposed to be doing is reaching forth unto what Christ has for me. Don't just be. Reach forward. Get involved for God. Be busy for God. And some of you are sitting here this morning and you may say, man, he's crazy. I don't know what he was talking about. Here's a question I have for you this morning. Everybody in this room, do you know 100% sure that if you were to take your last breath today, that your next breath would be in heaven? That's my, my question. It's the most important question I'll ask all day, and here's why. Because at the end of this day, the Bible says we're not promised tomorrow. I'm not trying to scare anybody in this room, but the Bible says we're not promised tomorrow, and you may not be here tomorrow. You may take your last breath today, and here's my question. If you were to take that last breath, where are you going? If your answer was not 100%, I'm going to heaven and here's why, then I want you to listen to me for just a second. God loves you so much. You know how much he loved you? He loved you because he knew every single person in this world would have that exact answer at some point in time in their life. And he knew that there was only one way for every person to spend eternity in heaven with him. And that was accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's coming to the end of myself and coming to God and saying, God, I can't do it on my own. Would you come into my life and save me? And if you're here this morning and that's you, I want want you to talk to me this morning. I want you to come see one of our workers. We want to help you. We'll take five minutes and show you a couple verses from this book how you can know 100% sure that you're on your way to heaven. Christian, are you here this morning? And you may know that you have found that thing that is needed. And you may know that that one thing you know is that you're different. But are you doing that one thing of reaching forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because I promise you that next generation is counting on that. I think about all the people that wouldn't know Jesus Christ if some of you did not go out and reach forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about the people that have been saved as a result of you reaching forth. There needs to be more. This this community, this area is full of a lot of people that need Jesus. And they're counting on you whether you think it or not. They're counting on us. Father, thank you for this day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to share the gospel. I pray for this church. May it be a church that's ever moving forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And as I was talking, maybe some of you were here this morning and you walked into the building today not knowing that if you were to die today where you'd spend eternity. And you say, Pastor Johnny, I, I just don't know. I don't know. And listen, when I was a young person, I didn't know. And it came from me making a decision to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior to know 100% sure that I was on my way to heaven. And you say, I'm here this morning, and I don't know 100% sure. I will not call you out. I will not embarrass you. I just want to be able to pray for you. If you say, that's me this morning, I don't know 100% sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Would you just slip your hand up? I just want to pray for you. That's all. Would you just slip your hand up anywhere throughout the building? I just want to pray for you. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning and you say, I found the one thing that's needed and I know that I'm different, but man, I could use to press forward for that mark better. I'm the first one in this room to tell you this morning that I need to do a better job of reaching forth. Why? Because I see the need. Because we as a church have got to or else there will be a generation that comes up and will not see the need. Now, how many of you are here this morning and would say, Johnny, I see the need. I see the need. Would you slip your hand? I just want to pray for you. All over. Yes, I see the need. Yes, I see the need. I'm here. I see the need. I see the need. How about this this morning? How about we as Christians... We make that step and we say, I'm going to make a difference. You know, God's placed you where he's placed you because he wants you to make a difference in that place. God's placed you where he's placed you because he knows that there's a Christian in that place. Are you doing the job that God has asked you to do where he has placed you? Or are you just going through the motions and content where you're at? Christian this morning, don't be content. 